and welcome back. We're back after a couple weeks of break. We appreciate your patience as we navigated some um, summer and life changes like Natalie moving into a new apartment, um, Bible school for two different churches, respectively, and we both survived a family beach vacation, which was a trial vacation to see if we liked the beach. So if you've ever wondered if the Wolf family is weirder than your family, um, chances are the answer is yes. But anyways, welcome back. I am Sarah. And I'm Natalie. And we are Wolf Disney. We have been going through the Disney catalog movie by movie, um, watching them all and recording our reactions and questions and research. We have very little Disney experience and so it has been a journey so far. This week we are covering Peter Pan. You know what I was confused about in Peter Pan was that Robin Williams was not in it. Right, neither was um, Dustin Hoffman or Julia Roberts. Or Rufio. That's, yep, that's his given name. <laughs> when you said Julia Roberts, I was picturing Julie Andrews and I was like, I don't remember her being in that movie at all. She's the grandma. Who, do you, I, I didn't go back and watch Hook yet, but I think I do need I'm, to do that. I'm totally going to do it. Yeah. It's been a long time. Because Natalie, you have never seen Peter Pan until this week, right? Correct. And, and I hadn't either. And yeah. boy, was it something. Yeah. Um, I, for the first like 25 minutes, maybe, I was like, oh, this is a really cute movie. I was like, I think I'm going to like this movie a lot. Like it doesn't like... Yeah, like I liked all of the characters, cute kids, um, good music so far. Cute dog. Cute dog. Um, all the important then, things to us. Right. And then the Disney racism just oh. wasn't oh. sprinkled in. Like that was the plot. It was so bad. It was really bad. It was so bad. I take my notes in Google Docs and um, Google Docs will automatically create a table of contents to you for you to the left of the screen. For me, at least it does. And it doesn't really know when I want a new section except for when I put things in all caps. And so I, the only thing I wrote in all caps was, this is awful. <laughs> so it looks like that's the main gist of my entire um, couple pages of notes. Wow, it's a lot of notes. Um... Yeah, I, I mean, I wrote like a novel. I just wrote, yikes, uh, repeated. That's all your notes? No, well, that's all it is. I wrote, yeah, my notes are getting shorter and shorter as we go along with this endeavor. Um, but also I was unpacking my apartment while I watched this. Um, so I didn't really have, I didn't, yeah, it um, had to be important enough for me to pick up my phone and write a note down. Um, but yeah. Yes. We the were rescuing last... a snapping turtle today, and that distracted me from the movie. I would say the only notes I have for the last hour of the about maybe 45 minutes of the movie um, is really just yikes over and over again. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, Should we get started with our warm-up or whatever it's called? Icebreaker. Uh -huh. Sorry. I went into teacher mode That's there. Free right of the day. <laughs> What's our essential question, Natalie? What? Um, so in the movie... Um, the, uh, Peter Pan and Tinkerbell teach the kids how to fly. 
and their flying ability comes from thinking happy thoughts. Um, which that whole scene that reminded me of um, uh, the sound of music. Yes. Yeah. The um, I am sixteen going on seventeen. Right. Yeah. There was questionable relationship happening between both Peter and Wendy, but also Peter and Tinkerbell. So yeah, that's what I was referring to. No, I was referring to favorite my favorite things. Um, oh, the Christmas classic. Yes. Yeah, the Christmas song. Um, anyway, they uh, think happy thoughts, um, and so each of them like names off what their happy thoughts are. Couldn't tell you what they are in the movie. Um, think of Christmas. Think of snow. Uh, so when that song started, I was like, I have heard this before. We had it on like a Disney tape or or yeah. a Disney sing along cassette. Yeah. So I had heard that song. Yeah. But I think it's like, think of Christmas, think of snow, think of reindeer off below, or reindeer in the sky. Anyways, go ahead. Is this a Christmas movie? (laughs) Sounds like it is. Anyway, our icebreaker question is, what would your happy thought be um, in order to use your already given flying ability? And I don't have one yet. I know you told me about it. And I was like, that's a great idea. And then I don't really have one. I mean, I would say Christmas. Like, I I just really enjoy Christmas Eve. Actually, the entire Christmas season. I love Christmas. I'm not crazy. And I don't have like a million Christmas trees. I just like, I like um, just how nice everyone is. Or they're supposed to be. Um when I was a campus minister in Memphis, we had a discussion between our Presbyterian group and the Muslim Student Association. And it was during the time when um, the Starbucks uh, cup controversy was happening. And so we just had this conversation with them. And, um, and somebody said, you know, what, how does it feel to live in a country where your religion is not the dominant religion, but but Christianity is, and it really does seem to take over in some ways, especially around Christmas time, you know, how does, how does that feel not practicing that religion? And a couple of students said, we love Christmas because everyone's just nice to each other. I was like, that's a pretty, that's awesome, but also like pretty big like indictment on us the rest of the year that like they're noticing like, oh, the Christians are a lot nicer in December. That's great. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, maybe we could work on that a little bit longer. But anyways, I love Christmas. Um, I love Christmas Eve at church. Um, and I love Christmas morning, even when we're like trying to get mom to hurry up and take a shower um, and put her makeup on just for us so we can open the presents one by one. Um, and our dog opening presents. Mm-hmm. I'm like almost flying right now, I think. Well, What's yours, Natalie? If you want to stop flying, just think about doing Christmas in pandemic time. Why? It's not happy. You can't go to the mall. Oh, yeah. But, like, we can still have it at our house. You're coming home for Christmas, right? Don't announce that on the podcast. Mom and Dad will, Mom will be so upset and Dad will never know. Um... No, I think I'll be coming home for Christmas. Um, my thought would be 
it better be me. I have to be in it. Just kidding. I don't have to be in it. Football? What? Football? Yeah, mine would be um, in the stadium watching the Giants play. Um, <laughs> no, I meant like going to an app game and like tailgating. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, actually, no, like game day Saturday. Yeah. Uh, of like having a valid reason to wake up early um, and like what this is like a christmas story it's like what do you have for christmas kid and he's like uh a football a football <laughs> like because he can't remember what he actually wants yeah. and you're like yeah sure football i love football no but that's true um and it's like a little more specific than anything else i was thinking of um yeah the feeling that i always had in college especially on saturday morning of knowing when that when it's like mm, 60 degrees 55 60 degrees not yeah. too hot not too cold yeah yeah or colder but with like a lot of sun yeah um yeah I think that would that would be one of my thoughts um yeah all right good thoughts what do you think Cooper's would be our dog um the UPS man never came ah yeah yeah his would be um him around 8 p.m sleeping and mom not nudging him in the butt to get up to go to the bathroom one last time for the day (laughs) yeah that's that's accurate yeah or him going up to dad for pets and dad not going i pet you all the time all day long i already pet you today i already pet you and then we say something and he's like i i do like him i love him I can't do this all the time. So Sarah, I think you, I, based on past episodes, I'm assuming you did a little research into the background of the story of Peter Pan and or the author. I did. I did do that. I did do that. I am killing time as I scroll. Um, so Peter Pan uh, is is a book. Um, it's written by J. M. Barry, who was um, a Scottish uh, playwright and author. Are you you already have a question? Yeah. Did the book come before the play? Yes. Okay. I think. Hmm. Pretty pretty sure it did. Um, so J. M. Barry um, was born on ninth. 9 May 1860 and 19 died. What? Stop. He's British, so we have to do the dates in reverse order. I don't think they say it like that. That's how it's written on his Wikipedia page. Yeah, I understand that. I want to, I need to go check and see if an American who died has reverse dates on Wikipedia. Good luck figuring that out. That's probably not. Did you say good luck? All I have to do is type in a dead American. True American. Anyway. Um, are you looking it up now? No, but the play came before the book. All right. He, the play came before the book, but Jan Barry wrote it. Both. Wrote both of them. Do you want to do you want to do it, Natalie? Since you're both the expert. Of them. Go ahead. 
Okay. Um, what? Ba, 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 ba. You're loving it. <laughs> um, so J.M. Barry uh, didn't learn a lot about him. He was short. He was five foot three. Um, and he was kind of an eccentric fella. Um, <clears throat> he married an actress, but um, it appears that their marriage was unconsummated. They never had kids, um, which is not the same thing, but I think that that is a rumor that they never, yeah. Um, but they like kind of lived a, a, not a lavish lifestyle, but she was an actress and he was a very successful, they were probably lavish. He was a very successful playwright. Um, and so they were pretty popular in London. Um, and so they used to go, he used to go and walk in Kensington Gardens. Um, and one day he ran into the Llewellyn Davies boys. It was this family and they have a bunch of boys and two or three of them were playing in the garden that day. And he just kind of became friends with them, became friends with the whole family. If you've seen Finding Neverland, that's um, really very closely based on the story. Um, and he made up stories based on the boys. Like he made up a whole other series that featured the boys called like the castaways or the ca roustabouts or something like that. Um, castabout, I don't know. Um, the roustabout, the name for somebody who works for a circus. Yes, yeah, so you learned that in our uh, in our Disney one. Uh, our Disney uh, one. Shut up! I'm just I'm so tired. Uh, da, 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 da. Hold on. Stowaways. Stowaways. Is that what it was? I don't know. No, oh. probably not. Okay. Um, the boy castaways. That's what it was. The boy castaways of Black Lake Island. Um, although the only surviving copy is at Yale. So apparently it wasn't super, super popular. But anyways, um, he became really good friends with the family. And in 1907, the father of that family dies. In 1910, the mother of the family dies. And he becomes the guardian of these boys. Um, one of the boys is named Peter, and that's loosely who Peter Pan is based on. Um, three of the boys died youngish. Um, Jack, one of the boys, um, was killed in World War I. Um, Michael drowned at Oxford with a friend. Um, and then Peter, this is from Wikipedia, Peter plagued by his lifelong identification as the real Peter Pan and other personal troubles committed suicide in 1960. Um, and so, so the, what I read was that some of the boys always felt close to J.M. Barry and some of the other boys were like, uh, um, one of the boys was kind of upset in the way that J.M. Barry kind of like, um, inserted himself as a father role. Uh, after their dad died because their dad died first so I think there's a little bit of tension there yeah um, so yeah so he wrote um Peter Pan both the the play and the novel okay. uh, there's like a couple of them too um but anyways um I, I have some fun facts about Peter Pan do you have those too yeah Okay, well, I'll, I'll tell you the ones that I found that were interesting. Um, how old do you think Peter Pan is supposed to be? Well, I know that he started creating the stories when Peter was a baby. The, the Davies boy, Peter? Um, I think he's supposed to be 
12. Okay, um, I like that you said all of those things. I'm working on affirming you. I don't think you get enough affirmations in your life. Um, no, the reason why I said that was in The Little White Bird and, which is a play or a short story or something that he wrote, and Peter Pan and Kensington Gardens, Peter Pan was only seven days old. So in two of the writings, he's only seven days old, which is kind of close to what you were saying. Um, Wait, well, that doesn't mean the character is seven days old, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe that's when the book starts, he's seven days old. I'm asking you a question. I don't know. Obviously, the character of Peter Pan cannot be seven days old. Okay. I thought that's what you were asking me, is how old is No, Peter? I just realized that, that that is weird. I thought it was like the whole, it was a seven day old baby that could maybe talk. But now I'm realizing how dumb that sounds. Uh, yeah. So I guess that means that in those books, he, it began when he was seven days old, but I guess he grows up a little bit. Um, his age is not stated in the play or in like the big novel. Um, but the novel does mention that he has all of his baby teeth still. But in other ways, he appears to be about 12 to 13 years old. So yeah. I thought that was interesting. Also, um, this whole series popularized the name Wendy. Hmm. So, so there's that. Um, uh, I did most of my research from Wikipedia. I'm sorry. Um, but there's a whole section that says like, Peter Pan's like um it's not superpowers but it's like his uh superpowers you know because he can fly and stuff um but it says that his archetypal quality is his unending youth which we see in the movie um in Peter and Wendy it is explained that Peter must forget his own adventures and what he learns about the world in order to stay childlike so I guess it's like a men in black kind of thing where he just erases his memory um, so his ability to fly is explained, but it is inconsistent between all the different writings about Peter. Um, in The Little White Bird, he's able to fly because he is said to be part bird, like all babies are. Mm, yeah, because they come from the stork. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. I thought that was a weird, like, throwaway phrase <laughs> that was like, I have, I have a lot of questions about like all babies, part bird, like all babies. Um, in the play and in the novel, he teaches the darling children to fly with the think of a happy thing kind of thing mm -hmm. and fairy dust. And then in, um, a de in the dedication to Peter Pan, the play, Barry says um, fairy dust is necessary for flight, for practical needs. And this is something he wrote. He said, after the first production, I had to add something to the play at the request of parents who yeah. thus showed that they thought me the responsible person about no one being able to fly until the fairy dust had been blown on him. So many children having gone home and tried it from their beds and needed surgical attention. Yeah. Um, yeah. It just re reminded me of like Mr. Rogers and like how upset he got about like all the superheroes that he was yeah. seeing. He was like, mm, it's all magic. It's make-believe. Mm -hmm. um, um, oh, and then the other fun fact I thought, two fun facts. The crocodile is a saltwater crocodile. 
fun. Cool. Fun fact. Um, I guess I just see crocodiles like in the Nile. That's where I think of them living. And I always assume that's a freshwater river, but maybe it's not. Okay. And then the other one is that this is our second movie in a row where we have an appearance of one of our characters in Shrek. Do you know what it is? I mean, like, I know there's a ref, I know there's a direct Peter Pan reference in Shrek the movie. What is it? Oh, I thought I was like thinking of a character. Um, when they're all lining up, all the fairy tale creatures are lining up to get exiled or something. Um, they somebody gets fairy dust blown on a donkey gets fairy dust on them, and the three little pigs or the bear. Mm, I think it's the three little pigs. They point and they say, he can fly. And they all repeat it. Yeah. Um, Peter Pan is in line, ready to sell Tinkerbell to do the Duloc authorities. And and somehow um, she gets sprinkled on top of Donkey. And then Donkey can fly. Mm-hmm. So those are my fun facts. I thought they were very fun. Yeah, they were. Are you ready for my fun facts? Always. All right. Um, so I, the most research I did uh, was on fairies, mostly because, so one of my notes at, from watching the movie is, what is Tink's deal? Um, yes. And Julia Roberts it, plays plays it pretty similarly um but she has words i guess it's maybe a little easier to understand but even that i still don't fully understand the relationship between peter and tink um and either what does she hope is going to happen there yeah um so i read i think on wikipedia i read that like it can be interpreted like either because there's like this jealousy thing between tink toward and there's this jealousy thing with Tink toward Wendy mm-hmm. um, and like her presence. It could be like a romantic jealousy, but um, I also read that like, it also like these are kids. This whole theme of this movie is like not growing up. And I think a large part of like jealousy for kids is um, you having like one best friend. Mm. Um, and I think Peter is definitely Tink's best friend or maybe the other way around, I don't know, uh, maybe both ways. Um, and so Wendy's arrival um, threatens that for Tink. Anyway. I think um, that's a really good theory. Yeah. So I decided to research fairies um, to see if I can understand Tink a little better. Um, and I found the website on WordPress um, called British Fairies. Um, oh, because Great what? Great start. Yeah. Um, because I also like, there are like allusions on Wikipedia to like specifically um, lore about fairies in Kensington Garden. Oh. Um, and, and like maybe that is just every like, big garden or park also has some like I don't know um but yeah like the lore was that um the fairies 
come out like they they come out of hiding or whatever at night after the garden gates are closed um and so this this website this blog british fairies at wordpress um uh covers a variety like there this person is still like one of the posts i read was from 2020 um and i think like i saw things as early as like 2018 um so there's like a lot a lot to do they want to be in our podcast there's a lot to cover on fairies um i mean maybe when we get to return to neverland is that a disney movie like I don't know. A cartoon? I just made up. I just made up a movie that I think exists. Anyway. um, And so I think it comes as probably little surprise that there are like varying um, opinions and beliefs about fairies and how like what the demeanor is and um, what they like, are they good or bad? Um, But yeah. Was the tooth fairy in any of your research? You know, it wasn't, but now I really just want to do a little search on the website. Jeez. Uh-huh. Um, for those of our listeners who might have children listening, that would be a good time to take a bathroom break, maybe get a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Yeah, the tooth fairy, a modern myth. Now, now kids, go now. I'm not reading this um but so looking at just like glancing at this post um from what i can tell based on the art the posts i read like a lot of fairy knowledge beliefs around fairies comes from literature specifically poetry mm-hmm. um or this person just really likes fairy poetry and sticks mostly with that as their primary sources yes how does this person spell fairy? So I'm confused. Um, they spell it F-A-I-R-Y. But, but sometimes they spell it, which I need to look it up. F-A-E-R-I-E. No, sometimes they spell it F-A-E-R-Y. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think a collective of fairies would be called? Fairies. A sparkle. That's good. All right. So anyway, um, yeah. So um, I really should have like organized my thoughts instead of just reading a bunch of blog posts and hoping that will carry me through this. Um, But so a lot of, a lot of our beliefs, our beliefs, a lot of, (laughs) a lot of the British, this is when Natalie drops out of seminary <laughs> to become a fairy priest. Okay. So yeah, I, I think people do believe in fairies. And so I'm trying, I'm trying to uh, be respectful, but I do have a lot of questions anyway, but like, you know, I'm sure you could say the same thing to me about Jesus and God. Sure. That's true. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, do they believe in fairies and like a, like a, god-like way like protection and so yeah i mean it's not i wouldn't compare it to like a deity but it is similar to like like i feel like it's similar to like praying to like like not praying but similar to like spirits like um 
there based on what I read, um, there like it's common belief that like fairies can and do interact with the human world. Um, it's unclear if like some of them are just always good, some are bad, or if they have like there's a lot of literature about fairies harming humans like in revenge um and um i <laughs> i uh even went and one of the weirder posts i read uh was about um fairies in world war one yeah so i there is one post at least one post um that she wrote on or he wrote um and um the fairies in world war one um, and they work primarily with these two plays that were written during World War I. Um, and one of them depicts fairies in Britain helping the war aid, um, primarily through like being nurses and stuff, not necessarily like soldiers. Um, like, there's, like the whole backstory is like these two fairies see like the humans like fighting and like they want the good side to win and so they ask the fairy queen if they can help the humans and she says if you do that then you will never like you will gain too much like human like humanity and so you won't be able to come back into the fairy world ever again and so they choose that's kind of it sounds like a cute story they decide well it's worth it like this is our world and so we're going to leave the fairy world and help the war efforts um and so they join the war effort and become like nurses and stuff. Um, and they help, um, they help all sides. They don't necessarily just help. Um, like they're there to just- They help the enemy? Yeah. Um, because they're good fairies. I don't know. Um, and then the other story- Sorry, I just think like, I don't know how similar these fairies are to Tinkerbell, but- it just seems like if you have special powers, you don't use them. I mean, nurses are amazing. Our dad's a nurse, but like, it seems like you're, you have powers where you can be invisible and like, can really like affect big, like sabotage and like, I don't know, you know, like mess with the general and tie his shoelaces together or something like yeah, nursing is just not what I was picturing at all when you were talking about that. So the second play um, takes the approach that you're looking for, I think. That's what I want. Yes. Um, it also talks that there's like, there's also a poem from that time about like the moon being a part of. Uh, oh, Goodnight Moon. So it's similar to Goodnight Moon. Um, there's this poem about how like the moon is, um, is the what, like <laughs> the moon is playing a part in the war by creating paths of light for the soldiers to travel at night and like sneak up on their enemies. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, the other one is, um, is yeah, the fairies being a little trickier and taking a side. Um, anyway, so J.M. Barry, um, there's an article that she, this blogger about uh, fairy lore and how um what barry includes in his writing that um is just like a part of common fairy beliefs and lore and what things barry adds to the world of fairy 
thought. Yeah. Do you think it's, is it similar to how Disney um, kind of establishes everybody's ground knowledge of pirates? Yeah, I think so. Um, Like a lot of what we know about fairies is based off of like Tinkerbell and. Okay. Yeah. Um, So these are three. uh, So uh, one of the things that he points out is that um, like one of the more important pieces of fairy stuff for fairy is that there's a very close link between children and fairies um and here are like the three main ways that they're connected throughout his writing um is that he says that fairies are born from babies laughter um this is a quote when the first baby laughed for the first time its laugh broke into a thousand pieces and they all went skipping about and that was the beginning of the fairies every time a child is born another fairy will appear i will say okay sorry i will say that like i could probably spend an hour on a youtube loop of just like babies laughing like the big belly laughs yeah like I don't know if fairies come from that, but definitely happiness comes from baby belly laughs. Okay. Um, fairies are particularly drawn to children. Barry tells us that it is fruit. It is frightfully difficult to know much about what. Sorry. Um, did you read anything about fairy godmothers? No. And well, because I was thinking about Sleeping Beauty and how she has those fairy god they're fairy godmothers right yeah cinderella also does too but but the um in sleeping beauty they watch her from when she's a baby i think yeah they do did you read anything about that sorry i mean like fairy godmother is such a weird thing too like where did that come from fairy godmothers the folklore evidence this was written on march 29th 2020 Gosh, it's like this person knew we were going to do this podcast. Thanks, John Bruce. Um, oh, yeah, there's also a fairy godmother kind of in um, Pinocchio. Oh, yeah. But it's a fairy. It's a blue fairy, right? Yeah. And she's like a grown woman. Yeah. They're... Oh, you mean like size-wise? I recently read an academic article which suggested that the idea of the fairy godmother was a relatively recent introduction to existing tradition, something derived from the Brothers Grimm and from stories like Pinocchio and Cinderella, and since reinforced by popular films rather than it being a long-standing element of folklore belief. In this posting, I want to challenge the idea and argue instead that it is one of the oldest recognized aspects of fairy behavior. This is a... Yeah, okay. Anyway, fairies are pers- back to Barry stuff. <clears throat> fairies are particularly drawn to children. Barry tells us that it is frightfully difficult to know much about fairies. Yeah. And that's convenient. And about the only thing known for certain is that there are fairies wherever there are children. They can't resist following the children. Natalie, ask me about this character I just made up. It's an animal and it's a Balusamagaloo. Does it have legs? Oh, it's really just hard to know anything about them, really. They're so elusive. Mm. Um, children's disbelief in fairies kills them. 
A fairy's life is short in any case, although they are so little that a short time seems a good while to them. Worse, though, is the fact that children know such a lot now they soon don't believe in fairies, and every time a child says, I don't believe in fairies, there's a fairy that drops down dead. Doesn't Tink almost die? Yeah, that's a thing in Hook. Did that not happen in, in the movie we just watched, too, though? Peter Pan? Yeah. Tink dies? Uh, so that was the thing, was that I kind of stopped paying attention because... It was an action scene. But um, Hook gives a present as a bomb, which was really weird to me. Um, And then Tink intervenes. And then she gets kind of blown up. But I don't remember there being a, like, clap. There's, like, a clap thing. If you clap, the fairies will come back to life. Was that in the movie today? Did you? you... I watched it two days ago. Uh... No, I don't remember that. Okay. Maybe that's Justin Hook? Is yeah. it in Hook? Yeah, it's in Hook. Will you clap? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so this is what Barry um this is what Barry says specifically of Tink. Are you Googling this right now? Just, does Tinker Bell die in Peter Pan? No. Oh, There's a novel. There, there's a whole like Tinkerbell TV series. They can't. I know, I know, I know. But like, she's obviously injured by that bomb. Gosh, there's a Neverpedia, the Peter oh, Pan. That's one of my sources. My goodness. Okay, Tinkerbell learns of the plot just in time to snatch the bomb from Peter as it explodes. Peter rescues. Tinkerbell from the rubble, and together they confront the pirates. So I'm assuming that I did not miss an entire scene where we were supposed to clap or something. So we're good. Sorry. All right, cool. So um, this is what Barry specifically made um, for Tink as a fairy and like her personality and who she is. So in the movie, Tink is sometimes ill-tempered, spoiled, jealous, inquisitive, but she's also helpful and kind to Peter. Um, The extremes in her personality are explained by Barry and the fact that a fairy's size prevents her from holding more than one feeling at a time. So when she is angry, she has no counterbalancing compassion. Um, Anyway, if if you're looking to learn something, go to britishfairies.wordpress.com. You will not be disappointed. started in August 2016 and has posts this month. Um, So, and I mean, yeah, like the most recent one is called Fairy Herbs. The herbs that fairies like or herbs that fairies grow? In this post, I add a few, okay. I've previously drawn attention to the various herbal remedies prepared and prescribed by fairies. In this post, I add a few more ingredients to the fairy Pharmacopedia. That must have been when they were Pharma- nurses. Pharmacopeia. Pharmacopeia. Okay, here's um going back to the World War One thing. In response, each fairy in turn offers to contribute their particular abilities to Britain's defense. The wind fairy will blow mighty gales that push the pilots off course. 
the snow fairy will send blinding blizzards, and Jack Frost will freeze the plane's petrol. So Jack Frost is a fairy? (sighs) Hey Siri, is Jack Frost a fairy? Yeah, he wants to rule over all the fairies in Fairyland. By making us cold? I don't know. Um, The wave fairy will stir up mountainous waves. The will of the wisp will lure German pilots to land in bogs. That's will of the wisp. That's in... um, Sound of music. Sound of music. Yeah. The will of the wisp. The rain fairy will send veils to hide the moon. There's some concern that the rain will also make mud that will hinder the troops at the front, but the rain fairy promises to keep the downpours away from the trenches, and the sun promises to dry out the ground. Very. <laughs> I just love imagining, like, the fairies, like, have this conversation, and, like, but what if you're rain? No, 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 don't worry. Like, we're going to make sure that it doesn't go over there, like, and, and the sun fairies with me. Like, we're on top of this. It's just so weird to me. And, like, are generals involved in this plan? Oh, okay. I think I'm winding down on my Britain fairy research. Um, anyway, it sounds like, um, yeah, um, Barry did not just completely make up fairies on his own. That's something real that can be concluded. Well, I mean, I knew that because because they're in Midsummer's. Okay, well, if you're into that then you would already that um i taught it and it was horrible other fun fact is that nana in the movie is a saint bernard i was wondering in the book she's in newfoundland and well and that can be explained um by barry and his wife having um while he wrote the book while he was writing it, they had a Newfoundland. It's one way they had Newfoundland and then their second dog was a St. Bernard or the other way around. And so like once the play happened, I don't know. Anyway, they, they owned both a Newfoundland and a St. Bernard. Um, and I, both dogs have their own page on Neverpedia. Um, and yeah. Interesting. I mean, I feel like a St. Bernard and a Newfoundland, like, are pretty similar in size and probably personality, too, from what I've seen. Yeah. Well, I will tell you my first reaction. <laughs> um, and I wonder if you maybe had the same or thought the same thing that I did. At the very beginning, there's a voiceover, and it says something like, it's a, it's a familiar story that's often told. It's happened, you know, in other times and places before. And <laughs> said, this time it happened in London. And my first response in my head was Joey saying, in London, from Friends. Yeah. No, that was not my reaction, Sarah. You're not as big a fan as I am, I guess. That's fine. My first note from watching the movie Beyond the Hospital for Sick Children 
um, is um, Wendy, like in the beginning gets in trouble for like telling the boys stories and like encouraging their imaginations, yes. Before even that, did her voice sound familiar? Yeah, Sarah, we said this last time. She's oh. Alice. We covered that in the Alice episode. I'd obviously forgotten about that because she sounded just like Alice to me. So <laughs> what was your first reaction? So anyway, the whole like opening scene um, is Wendy getting in trouble and her punishment is that she's getting her own room um, and she can't stand the nursery anymore. <laughs> I wrote, a room of her own is punishment? I said, Wendy getting her own room is a punishment, question mark. Me too. Yeah. You and I shared a room for one summer. Um, you don't remember it. It was not fun. Um, I would have been, I was overjoyed when we moved again and had our own rooms. Can we talk about Nana? Yeah. I love Nana. Um, I thought she was probably my favorite character in the whole movie. I would have watched a whole movie of Nana trying to keep track of the kids and, um, wearing the doily on her head. Um, most of my notes are Nana related. Um, she's just great. It's interesting because when he meets these in real life, when Jay and Barry meets those boys in the Kensington gardens, um, they're actually there with their nurse. That's, that's how he meets them. And so I don't, I wonder if somehow he's tried to write their nurse, Mary Hodgson into the story in the character of a dog, which is not the nicest thing, but when you're trying to write a story where the parents are gone for the night and this like weird person comes to the house. Like you do need an empty house for that. Like there's no way as they made a bunch of noise in that house, learning how to fly, finding Mm -hmm. a shadow. Like they were not quiet. Even for that part, Nana was outside. Um, So I guess I wonder if that was their way of like clearing the house, having a nurse. I don't know. I said that I would um, watch a whole spinoff of just Michael and Nana. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nana and Michael, my favorite characters, That's hands cute. down. Yeah. When he, yeah, when he sprinkles fairy dust on Nana. Um, I, I was think- worried. I wrote, um, poor Nana. <laughs> and, then, and then I said, oh, I love that Michael tried to get Nana to come with them. Yeah. <laughs> he sprinkles the, the pixie dust just on her behind. And yeah. she just like rolls with it. And she's like waving. It's, yeah. it's like just such a great scene. Yeah. I, I love that scene. I don't know. I, I love Nana and I love Michael. I hated the dad. Yeah. He was, I mean... He was worse than Robin Williams and Hook. I don't think so. Yeah, I'm gonna be right. Yeah, he like he like makes his kids cry in that movie, I think. Yeah, but I think like well, we only see one night in the Darling household. Yeah. But he was just like so, I mean, even with Michael, like Michael at some point 
does something and he gets so mad at Michael and it's like he he's still in like the button up the butt pajamas like like footy pajamas like pretty sure he's still in a diaper dude like you can't get mad at a kid like that I didn't like him at all but did you I feel like I I, uh, yeah surely I didn't like him but I also think at the end you have a little like sympathy or sympathy for him when he like sees the ship cloud and like vaguely remembers that adventure yeah I mean I just think like is he supposed to represent all adults I hope not because I don't think I'm like him like I'll roll with a kid that wants to imagine things like let's imagine things like he he's like to me he's supposed to represent adults yeah and and he's just I mean he's like just so dismissive of his kids and yeah I mean they like drew in his clothes and that was that was awful and would be really frustrating but just like I don't know he he was just so dismissive and negative towards them that I didn't like it yeah um Tinkerbell shows up in this first scene and I think she's dressed a little scandalously for 1953. Is that the right year? 53? Yeah. Um, but also I hate that they have included, which again, every time we watch these movies, I look and see how many female, um, how many women are represented in the opening credits and the storyline and animation, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, when Tinkerbell is first introduced to us, there's a whole scene where she sees herself in a mirror and she's concerned with the size of her butt. Yeah. I hate that. Like a bunch of men wrote that where they were like, yeah, she sees herself in a mirror and she likes what she sees, but then she sees her butt and like, she like measures her butt with her hands and is not happy with it. And that just made me so sad. Yeah. I don't like that. Well, so if you understood, like, fairy lore just a little bit more, you would understand, um, I hate you. Mm-mm. No. I think it's the result of a 95% male staff writing and producing a movie, a Disney movie that's supposed to be for children. Yeah, I mean, that also, but that could have been Barry's like because like Barry gave Tinkerbell like a personality that's specific to her. Like I don't think think Barry would have said that she was concerned about her figure. I mean, I don't know. I don't know that well. Yeah. That was just my least favorite part. I think besides, well, that's not true. The racism was. was I was still enjoying the movie a lot at that point. And the treatment of women, that was my least favorite part, I thought. Um, so <laughs> the other question that I had was, Natalie, if Peter Pan came into your room tonight and said, we're going to go to Neverland, and you said, how do we get to Neverland? And he said, second star to the right, if you could find the star. Huh? Peter Pan's instructions. Yeah, Peter Pan's instructions to Wendy are: she says, "How do we find Neverland?" And he says, "Second star to the right, and straight on till morning." Yeah. To the right of what? 
You haven't asked a question to me yet. Could you find it? If he uh, said second star to the right, could you be like, oh yeah, that's a star. Let's go straight on to the morning. It's one star. It's you have two stars and it's there are a million stars in the sky. No. So this was like in what, like 1920 something. You think there's like more stars, less stars now? More. Maybe it's, I don't know. To me, it's like, I've looked at the sky twice in my life and I can, I can find at least one of the dippers. I never really know if it's a small or the large dipper. Um, but I just remember reading about constellations and how they're like, yep, that's a bear. And I'm like, no, that's just like some random stars. Like, how do you see a bear in that? How do you see an archer? Like that's, that's all, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm going to call Hope. Hey. Hey, what's up? Uh, just watching a movie. What's up? Um, Sarah and I are recording a podcast right now. Oh, cool. Yeah. Are you with Nick? Yeah, I am. Cool. Um, we just did, we're doing Peter Pan right now. Mm. And Sarah, yeah, Sarah. <laughs> Sarah um, has a question. I do too, I guess, now after she talked a little longer. Um, when they ask how to get to Neverland, Peter Pan says the second star to the right. Uh-huh. What and straight on till morning. Yeah. Um, which star is the second, like, to the right of what? To the right of what? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, do you want me to take a guess and then ask Nick what he thinks or just ask sure. him? Sure. Yeah. No, yeah, this is you too, not just Nick. Okay. Well, he's right here, so he'll okay. hear what I say. Um, second star to the right, and then straight on till morning. What star is Peter Pan referring to? Oh, I don't know. If it helps, they are in London. True. And I don't know what season it is. Good point, Sarah. I mean, it could be the North Star because the North Star doesn't change position in the same way that the other stars do throughout the night. Did not know that. Yeah. I, I didn't know they changed positions. Yeah, like the stars like rotate over the bowl of the sky wow. like throughout the night. Okay. But the North Star stays like basically in the same place, and that's why it always can show you where North is. Because oh. the other stars will always draw like a different line down to the horizon. Huh. Um, hope, hope I have a question. Yeah. If you are trying to follow the North Star, how do you know that you're following it? Because to me, if it doesn't, I mean, I don't know that I would be like, oh, it's definitely this direction. You mean like, how do you know, how do you use it? I guess so. Yeah. So there's, so the, um, the big dipper, which like moves throughout the night, but not yeah. as much as the other stars always points at the North star. So you can use it as like a guide. Mm -hmm. And then once you find it, you draw a line from the star to the horizon, and that direction is north. Oh, I, I, I don't think know if that answered your question. I think I'm glad that my iPhone has a compass. 
It's an easier thing to show than tell, for sure. That makes sense. I believe it. Did did Nick have an answer? He nodded at my answer. Do you have any other guesses, babe? That's what I thought. Venus, maybe. He said it could be a planet in the morning sky. So Venus is sometimes referred to as the morning star Hmm. or the evening star because it's it only comes up in like when the sun is setting or rising. Okay. Um, and it's very like bright and distinct. Um, so it could be that. Okay. Um, cool. But yeah, the North star is like the only star. Nick will correct me if I'm wrong. It's the only star that you see that you'll see like throughout the whole year and throughout the whole night. Is that correct, Nick? Or it's one of the only ones. Yeah, circumpolar stars are like that. He said circumpolar stars are like that as well. Wow. <laughs> Which means like near the poles. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Was that helpful? So do you think that means that Neverland could be on another planet? Could Neverland be another planet? Why not? That's fair. Good answer. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, thank you guys for being our um, resident um, astronomers. Anytime. Yeah. I think they're astrologers, Natalie. No, that's incorrect. I still don't think I can. <laughs> no. By Neverland. I don't understand the drawing the line thing. I um, don't either. I would just always end up in whatever direction I'm looking in. Because uh, that's the answer. Anyways, back to the movie. Um, I think it's time to play my game, which was once they get to Neverland, the first scene we see in Neverland is Hook's ship, Captain Hook's ship with the pirates. Um, and they're very different from the pirates in Treasure Island, I thought. And like, they were more, they were, I don't know, they were like less cutthroat, but more cutthroat in another way. It was, they were kind of different. Well, and, and like Neverland, like, look, like looking at the map and the different sections they go to, like, I feel like these like are less like career pirates and more just like this is just like a group of people that are pirates if that makes sense except that they're like we need to be like killing people like one of them yeah. says i forgot how to slit a throat yeah. that's when i was like this is a kids movie yeah like there there are several moments in this movie that i think should definitely be rated pg-13 wow okay there there's a bomb there are racist elements. There are sexual elements. I mean, it, it's like, I don't know. Anyways, um, Mr. Smee, can we talk about him? Yeah. Who is he? And how did he get to the position that he is in? I'm asking you. Did you research that? I guess I could have done no, that. No, don't, don't. We've wasted too much time on this. I'm podcast. just saying, I'm just saying, like, looking at, um, in this, just in this movie alone, 
what he adds to the ship, to Captain Hook's, you know, journey to his life, it is very uncertain as to why you would ever want Mr. Smee to be your right-hand man. And it seems like Smee is his right-hand man. Like, Smee screws up everything to the point where, like, at one point, Hook is getting a shave and a seagull lands on his towel and Smee is just talking and shaves the back end of the seagull. The seagull flies away and Smee, without, like, doing any investigative work, assumes that he has shaved off Hook's entire head and that it is somewhere on the boat. He, he screws up everything that he's supposed to do. So why does Captain Hook deal with him? Well, first to start, I would just like to say, please don't use the phrase right-hand man when talking about Captain Hook. Unless that is the answer there. Right hook man, sorry. Is that he needs a right-hand man more than anybody. Okay, but even using that logic, that would assume that Hook's right hand sucked. Like when he had it, like his right hand regularly let him down and led him into danger, which is true because it did get bitten off by a saltwater crocodile. I'd like to go back to my saltwater fun fact from earlier. I just like, he has to have something on Hook. It's like, the people who have something on Donald Trump like Putin Putin has something on Donald Trump we don't know what it is yeah. but because of that like they're like linked all the time what does Smee know about Captain Hook that we don't know I mean yeah I don't I don't know what he has to offer Captain Hook um I mean I, I know like what he offers the story like, I don't think I would pay attention to any of the pirate scenes if Smee weren't there. Because um, he is the comic relief. Um, his, his shirt got on my nerves because it never um, covered him. I, mean, I know that's not like a big deal, but it did. For me, it reminded me of, of game day on football. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So the racism in Peter Pan. Yes. Um, really bad. Um, really bad. Get hints I'm of, surprised that it was in there. You get hints of it in as early as the nursery scenes. Oh, um, really? I missed those. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's like little boys like playing, like playing Indians, um, like with each other um so my roommate nick got two nicks on the podcast this week um my roommate nick just finished his ethics utram paper um hey, and did his on cancel culture uh, and so Ooh. i asked him should peter pan be canceled um like 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 song of the south was canceled like just remove that's a, that was my question was like how is Song of the South canceled, which I understand it should be, and not Peter Pan. Yeah. Like, I mean, why why is the red man yeah. red? I mean, I imagine part of this, I mean, well, I think there's, yeah, there's, I guess, something different between it being a cartoon. Like, I think it should, it should not exist, but I think it's easier 
when actual humans are acting and portraying these stereotypes um I'm not saying it's like and the fact that it's like in a make-believe land right yeah um, that, I guess I was surprised to see that because I think I had heard that also as like a you know this was this had been removed from Disney and I was like oh my gosh that was really a song and then when it happened I was like oh like it really is a song and it's like in Peter Pan like like a major yeah. movie like it's one of the most famous I would say Disney movies like everyone's heard of Peter Pan yeah. um more so than those darn rapscallions or whatever the other movies <laughs> we looked at in our first episode but like it's just surprising I think to see I don't know why it's surprising at this point <laughs> it really shouldn't be no um, but I think it's like the um the movies that we watched so far that have had like overt racism like that or just like cringy scenes even if I hadn't seen the movie or had not seen it in a long time I knew of its existence whereas I had no clue going into this movie that this was even a part of the plot um, and I would say that the movies that we've seen that have had those cringe moments and whatever are like Dumbo with the roustabouts where it's not overtly like these are people of color who are working at like like you know slave labor essentially to make the circus go or um what was the other movie that had some oh just like weird like Dumbo not Dumbo um oh what is the dwarf name that's Dopey Dopey who like at some point like wears a symbol on his head and there's like a brief Asian reference but it was like this entire scene is about a race of people like the entire scene is what makes the red man red and and none of it is helpful like none of it is helpful for people understanding what native people what their history are what they've gone through what they continue to go through like it's just like all right so like we're gonna we're gonna have this make-believe land and we're gonna have a pirate's cove pirates and like a mermaid cove and we're gonna have where the lost boys live and they're going to have these Indians and, and they're going to be red and we're going to have this whole song about what makes them red. Like it's, it's awful. Yeah. Like to me, it's not, it's not worse than Song of the South, but it's on par with Song of the South. Yeah. Sorry. I felt strongly. No, about. I agree. Um, we like hook a lot. One of the things I never understood, I think fully from hook was like what Neverland is and I think um, like the whole theme of this movie of like never growing up and being a kid, like Neverland to me very much leans into like, this is kids in the 19, 1953 or whatever, like this is their make-believe like lands that they create. And though like pirates and native people are real and exist um, outside of kids' imagination, like I still think the ways that they portrayed the pirates and the ways that they portrayed the native people um, are what's happening in kids' heads when they play the games or played the games. Um, And are are easily dismissed as make-believe conflict. Yeah, and, like, I I don't think that means that, like, oh, well, this, yeah, like, I don't think that means... um, that the scene is okay at all but um 
Because it's, it's like well, different and, than like Pocahontas. Well, and, and I think that's the big difference is that Peter Pan, those kids are from London. Yeah. Yeah. And so they really don't have right. any access to the culture other than what they're seeing in media, whatever that is in 19, right. whatever, you know. And so it's, it is, and you know, media gets to dictate what the yeah. story is. And so a lot of times the United States did sensationalize well, the conflict between native people and cowboys and all of that and so like i don't i mean maybe they weren't prepared to (laughs) tackle how how awful that was. well and uh i mean the writer of this is scottish like and that the Mm -hmm. like i'm pretty sure the tiger lily plotline at least is a part of the stories um yeah so yeah like it wasn't just like even Disney didn't create that section of the movie. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah. When, like, I remember like they go in the map and like, and this is where the Indians live. And I was like, okay, that's annoying that's here. And I just like, I just was not prepared for how drawn out. It's a weird, it's hard to like keep track of who is good, who is bad. Because even with like Peter Pan, like he wants to keep these kids as children all the time. They don't know who, what, like the mother thing is weird. You know, like wondering what a mother is. And a mother is someone who tells stories, which I kind of love because then. It, that kind of makes room for all sorts of family figurations and that anyone who tells stories can be a yeah. mother. Um, but it's like Peter Pan almost becomes kind of, I guess the movie is like, there are all kinds of enemies, like it, depending on what your sense of danger is, right? Like if you're a child, I guess it's going to be a child always, but I don't know. Like they're missing out on these stories from from their mothers. I don't know. It's just it's a weird story. <laughs> it's so weird. Um, most of my notes are about Nana and racism. I like the movie. I could have really done without the racism yeah yeah um scary scale yes so what is your scary scale honestly like 1.5 are you kidding i'm not doing that to like provoke you i did not think this was a scary movie and don't say racism because we've already discussed that right no there's like, like a lot of violence when when they, we didn't talk about this, but like when they want Wendy to walk the yeah. plank, that's not scary to you. That wasn't violence. It was just sad. Her options were to either sign the book and get a tattoo, or walk the plank. And walking the plank meant death. Yeah, I know. Did you not yeah. understand that? I hate your scary. I'm scale. sorry. That's that's that. Okay, I think we should have a new scary scale, uh, and it would be Sarah's scary scale. I like that alliteration. <laughs> um, and it would be based off of Sarah's anxieties as a child. 
And um, the anxiety that I felt watching this movie, I would say was a seven. Yeah. Um, Between um, who would survive and how and Tinkerbell being blown up by a bomb. I mean, it was all anxiety just ridden. We're doing a Sarah scary scary scale now. And this was a seven. You're, you are um, entitled to your own opinion. Yes. All right. So every week um, we choose our favorite movie of all the movies that we've watched so far. Um, Right now, Sarah's favorite is Alice in Wonderland. And my favorite is Bambi. Um, And so this week we're going to choose between that movie that we just named or uh, Peter Pan. Okay. Um, If I picked Peter Pan, can I say that it is without the racist scenes? Okay. Then I'm going to pick Peter Pan because I like, I liked Nana the dog and I liked Michael the little boy and his bear. Okay. Um, I refuse to ignore, you know, the, um, I couldn't do that. Don't do that. Well, I am sticking with Bambi. Um, the racism was like 40% of that movie. Okay, then fine. I can't do, I cannot do Peter Pan and I'll do. I'll stick with Alice in the All right, so I'm just saying, yeah, if, if, even if that's, even if they just took out the song, it might have a fighting chance. But, like, I truly, I really, really enjoyed the movie until that point. Like, I was like, man, I, I, why have I never watched this? Um, it's very cute. Um, Good moment. It's very, it's very Good cute. Moment. Like, I can kind of get along with the, like, moral or theme of it. Um, yeah disappointing that that you're so mad i'm so annoyed with you okay um interesting uh, well it's just that like you were like yeah you could totally like make that your favorite movie and then you're like oh well sarah's like to like ignore these things well we're gonna stick with the c's Next week we're doing Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. I don't. Uh, In my head, it's either uh, kind of like Journey to the Center of the Earth, or it's another pirate movie, or both. I think it's gonna be boring. Is it? It's live action. Yeah, I can guarantee you, um, we're gonna come into this, and Sarah is going to have seven thousand notes. And she's going to be like, did you watch this? Did you even watch this movie? And I'll be like, honestly, no. <laughs> it was all action. And I stopped paying attention. Uh, I hate action movies. <sighs> yeah, I'm not looking forward to that. Um, yeah, Jules Verne, I think. Right? 20,000 weeks. I don't know yeah. what you just said. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Um. 20,000 leagues. If we have any fans who are um, big into submarines or something. Maybe. I think there's like a giant octopus. Really? Yeah. I think I think I read it in fifth grade, but it was like 
um, a long time ago and it was only for AR points. So <laughs> it didn't pay a whole bunch of attention. Ooh, genres of the book. Uh, science fiction, speculative fiction, I don't know what that means, adventure fiction, and scientific romance. So I'm looking forward to my first scientific romance maybe, Cyro. Only one of those things intrigued me, and it was the Cyro. Is it? <laughs> Do not remember getting a romance. Maybe I didn't read this book. Maybe he falls in love with the octopus. Maybe. Are you ready for that? They already did that. That's called a... Uh, oh, what is that? Um, that movie that got like an Oscar where that woman like falls in love with a fish. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not Big movie? Fish. Um, <laughs> it's not Mars Attacks. Movie, Oscar, Lady, Fish. The Shape of Water. Typing <laughs> in Lady Falls in Love with Fish. So. <laughs> yes, uh, I don't think that that's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. So we need to cite our sources. All right, so my sources um, uh, Wikipedia, Neverpedia, uh, Disneypedia and uh, britishfairies.wordpress.com. Sarah? Yeah. Uh, my, my sources are Wikipedia and Neverpedia and an article by the New, York Ta- the New Yorker, which is why J.M. Barry created Peter Pan by Anthony Lane, published in 2004. As we leave, we invite you to consider what happy thing will make you want to fly this week and email us at wolfdisneypodcast at gmail.com. That's wolf with no E, Disney with an E, podcast with no E, at Disney, nope, at gmail.com. Um, find us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, Wolf Disney Pod. And if you like what you hear, give us a good rating, please, and tell your friends about it. And um, send us creepy fairy pictures. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And good uh, tooth fairy stories. Did you just <laughs> log out or do you hate my idea? I don't can I don't understand what a good oh yeah. so when I was like six or seven no this is good when I was six or seven I lost a tooth but like literally lost a tooth could not find it and so I wrote a note to the tooth fairy that said dear tooth fairy today I lost a tooth um, but I do not know where it is but you can see where I lost it because when I placed it on the bathroom counter a ring of blood formed where I placed the tooth. And so you can see that ring of blood. And so you know that I lost my tooth. And so I deserve a dollar. Thank you, Sarah. Mom, dad only gave you a dollar? Yeah. What'd you get? Five. (sighs) I'm just kidding. Oh, what'd you get? A dollar. Okay. Oh, man. (laughs) Good for mom. Uh, okay. Um... Thank <laughs> you.
just got so mad. No, you did. Well, um, tune in next. Are week. you in a storm somewhere? Because there's so much wind happening on your microphone. No. Don't do that. Don't do that. Tune in next week um, for twenty thousand leagues under the sea. Yay. Uh, we'll get back to good stuff soon we plan on it um but yeah we'll hear you'll hear us next week <laughs> so you. goodbye this has been wolf disney thanks for listening our theme song is lamb and wolf by poddington bear see you next week oh yeah yeah my sources this week oh wait 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 can i talk about one thing that i noticed yeah i would like to do that it was too late no i would like to do that um every time we saw the crocodile in the movie there was a song playing do you know what that song was natalie i don't remember a song playing it was like a or- orchestral movie. Oh, it was a bassoon. I don't think it was. Um, I think you're making that up. No, sure. no. Okay, it could have been a bassoon, but I do not know if that's true or not. But the song that they were playing was Never Smile at a Crocodile. Yeah. So they were playing it, and I was like, I know that song from somewhere. And I know it from... Do you know what it's from? No. You've got mail. Oh yeah. And it's yeah. when she's going up to bat against Tom Hanks and they're like doing like a montage. It's like never smile at a crocodile. And I was like, I know that song from somewhere. And so like they wrote that music a long time ago for this movie, but it was like the same lyrics that they published on I just I love that song. I love that movie. You've got mail is the best movie in the world by the way. God, we, yeah, we're really gaining it's better fans. than Star Wars. We're gaining fans week by week with our plugs for just irrelevant movies that we wish we could. It's not irrelevant. It's amazing. You just do whatever you need to do for the rest of this, this episode. I'm done. <laughs>